There we all are now again. Welcome back to the Irish in Sweden podcast. This year is starting to get away from us. And for those of you who've been living here for uh, for a few years, you'll know what this means now in the year of 2022 because every four years we get around to the Winter Olympics and Sweden and Norway and Finland and Denmark and basically everybody collectively loses their shit. Uh, you'll see your colleagues in work scrambling off at various different times of the morning to go off and watch various different races, sitting in front of the TV, and you'll be standing there going, hang on a second, what's all this about, right? So in case you haven't noticed, and it doesn't matter where in the Nordic region you're listening to this or if you're listening to it in Ireland, Swedish people and Norwegian people and Finnish people, they love the cross-country skiing. And this time around, we have our own boy in there, right? We have Thomas Maloney Vestward in there competing for Ireland. Uh, he was at the Olympics in 2018 in Pyeongchang. I saw him compete there. I was lucky enough to be there when he competed in the green of Ireland. And it's magnificent. As a sports journalist, you know, you kind of get very cynical and uh, you don't really care. But to see somebody out there in the green of Ireland was absolutely wonderful. Now, obviously, it's really tough because he's up against the absolute best people in the world. But you're going to be hearing a little bit later on from him. Uh, Thomas is from a place way, way north of Trondheim. He grew up in a little island up there. He'd be telling us about that. Uh, a mother from Galway. And uh, she wound up over there. Again, I let him tell the whole story because it's just magnificent altogether. And it kind of reflects a lot of the stories that you'll hear in some of uh, the northern towns in Sweden and in some small places that you wouldn't expect to find Irish people. But they're there and they're on the way to the Olympics, right? If you are living here, try to get involved, right? Because cross-country skiing, huge. Biathlon, huge. Curling, huge. So that's what people are going to be talking about. So you may as well, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Try to develop a little bit of an interest. And then we have another story from the Irish Diaspora coming to you this week as well. And I'll tell you all about that in one second after I remind you that this podcast is proudly sponsored by Veerstrom's Pub here in Gamla Stan in the old town in Stockholm. Stockholm's finest, Sweden's finest, the world's finest Irish bar, ladies and gentlemen. Martin Hessian and his staff in there will look after you if you go in, pay them a visit, tell them why I sent you. You might even go in there to watch a little bit of the Winter Olympics to watch... Uh, Thomas Maloney Westgord in there skiing away for Ireland but uh, full bar menu there plenty of big screens plenty of little nooks and crannies to while away a winter afternoon or evening down there at Veerstrom's in Gamlastan and we're extremely grateful for them for sponsoring this podcast now let's get to our first guest this week our first interview this week is a young lady who was born I think in Dublin to a dad from Wexford and a mother from Ennis in County Clare and moved over here as a six year old child right uh, Aoife Lisi has made a name for herself in sport it was something she got involved in very young and she'll tell us that whole story but right now she is playing in the Svenska Dom Hockey League and right so she's playing the Swedish Women's League over here for AIK one of the biggest sports clubs in the country and she's been ripping it up uh, as just a teenager so she's flying all together so I caught up with Eva to talk to her a little bit about discovering ice hockey and the similarities that it may or may not have a hurling and what she's doing now after this interview I want you to come back to me right don't don't fast forward through anything because I have an idea for something we could do together and I've talked to Eva about it off air and we're going to sort it out right so listen to the interview and i'll give you all the details when we get back here she comes Aoife, you moved here to Sweden when you're about six years old but can i just ask you if you have any memories of growing up in ireland at all before that uh well i have a lot of memories when uh in our old house when my uh, grandparents used to come visit and my old uh, my old school i don't actually remember the name of it but uh, uh yeah 
I just remember like how uh, how it looked like and the the classrooms and stuff like that. It was probably a lot different uh, from what you got used to when you moved here to Sweden, was it? Yeah, a lot different. There was no uniforms or anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a big when difference. When we got here. Uh, well, yeah. How did that feel when you got here for the first time? Because mom and dad is, I think mom is from Ennis in County Clare and dad is from yeah. County Wex- Wexford, right? And they say to you, right, Eva, we're moving to Sweden. Uh, nobody speaks English. Uh, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, we had visited Sweden, I think, once before because we have... Uh, Mom and dad have some friends that they used to work with that live uh, lives in shopping mm-hmm. um about two hours from Stockholm. Yeah. Um. So we I visited, but when she first said it, I was a bit hesitant and I didn't really know what what was to come of it. But um, luckily enough, I moved to like a um a place that had an international school, yep. so English was the main language, which I think that helped me a lot. Um when I was learning Swedish, obviously, that I was able to communicate with other kids in my school and not feel like an outsider when I moved here. And did it take you, I mean, when you're a kid, you don't realise you're learning a language, but do you remember, you know, how you picked it up? Do you remember thinking, oh, this is hard, this is easy, you know, how long did it take you? Well, I remember when my first few weeks, there were a few Swedish kids that went... uh, to my school so they were speaking Swedish to each other and I remember it kind of um sounds like uh, I remember they were saying stuff uh, but it sounded like the the, the chef from the Muppets uh, <laughs> sort of a thing and I was I would, didn't really understand it I thought it sounded really really funny um but then after a while we like we had lessons and it took me about six months to be able to speak the same have the same vocabulary as Swedish kids my age so and um, sport has always played a big part in your life. When you moved over here, did, was it Solentuna? I know you played football in Solentuna there to begin with, right? Yeah. Yeah. So was the Solentuna you were living in, and you were going to school over there to begin with? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've I've always lived in the Solentuna uh, since. Or actually, we moved. We had a. We were going to move into a house in Solentuna, but it wasn't really ready, so we had to live in a, in an apartment in Solna okay. for a couple of months. Well, that's that's pretty decent, seeing as you went back to play for AIK, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> you know? um, when you yeah. did start playing sport, how important was it to you, you know, to be playing football and you picked up the ice hockey pretty quick? Was that a sort of a, a key to you in getting involved with other kids? Well, I've always been an active kid and I always knew that, you know, I, 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 I'm a bit of a, a winner head. Mm. I don't know. They call it Vina Skalle here in Sweden. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I love competing and... And all of that. So I knew that sports was something I wanted to do. Um, and I tried loads of different sports. I tried uh, tennis, golf, um, swimming, uh, some horseback riding as well. But what really stuck with me was the, the team sports, such as uh, football and hockey. Like I just loved the team dynamic and like having support from other people in the team. That's what really stuck with me. So, yeah. And you sort of made the choice a couple of years ago. You were playing football with Solentuna during the summer and then you were playing hockey during the winter. But you made the choice to sort of focus on ice hockey uh, a couple of years back. And now, as I say, you're playing in this of the elite with AIK in Solna there. Uh, Why did you make that choice, Aoife? Well, um, when you you go... uh, 
to school in Sweden, when you reach ninth grade, you have to start looking at the gymnasiums, which is like high school. Yep. Um, so when I was started looking at them, there was there's these different programs where you can specialize in a sport. Mm. Like you can have a sport as a part of your um, academics mm. and like you have training and you get graded in your sport and stuff like that. Um, and hockey was one of the sports that had that and I really liked the fact that I really liked the fact the the school that Solna had um, with their hockey education Mm. um, and the school side of it so that was a big uh, reason why I chose to play hockey and the fact that hockey it it you know it has something special um i really loved playing football uh, i really did but uh, there was always a reason to play hockey like i whenever i would have nothing to do i, I would always be at the shooting ramp mm. and not you know kicking a football so it kind of came naturally for me to choose um hockey mm. yeah what kind of a hockey player are you um, I would say I'm a very, I love scoring goals. I'm a very offensive hockey player. Cool. We like that. Uh, yeah, I, um, I'm a bit of a rascal as well. I can get underneath people's skin. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I really like, um, I like speed. I like when it goes fast and I like to try different, uh, different moves. Yeah. different ways to get past people so yeah and hmm. um, when you look at women's hockey here in sweden because it's something that's it's growing really really quickly but obviously it's still not at the same level that the men are at in terms of the money that you can make and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then internationally as well obviously you know you could play hockey for ireland but there's nobody else really you know you'd be in a team of <laughs> yeah. one there so you're kind of yeah i think you've said before that you consider yourself very much swedish in the hockey sense what what's your ambition with this Eva? do you want to do you want to play professionally where do you want to go with it well, I want to play hockey uh, for as long as I possibly can. And uh, I know the fact that most uh, girls that play a sport have to consider an education and jobs eventually. But for me, I really hope that in the in the near future that there'll be an alternative so um, women can have the same advantages as men and actually play hockey professionally with a, a good salary. Um, and for me, I hope that that will be my future. And um, yeah. <laughs> well, no, so, I mean, that's a good ambition to have. Do you like? How likely is that to happen? Because as I say, things are improving greatly. We've seen you know huge strides in women's soccer, for instance, where the league in England now is they're all full time professionals. Is this something that you expect by the time you graduate from high school that this will be a viable option for you? Um. I don't know exactly if it'll be uh, a ve- like uh, an option when I graduate high school, but I hopefully sometime within the, the next ten years. I know that the SDHL, like the Sweden's Elite League, uh, Women's Hockey League here, um, they're working really hard uh, for it to become a top league where the best players get uh, play here and. The, the you know it's it's uh, 
vocalized and a lot of people know about it and support it so I do know that they're working really hard and they have uh, loads of goals about different economic situations within a few years mm. and they are getting partners and stuff so I do think that it will be something that will be able to happen within the next decade but I'm very unsure that it'll be able to happen by the time I graduate within the next year or so so well, I really hope it does or that maybe by the time you get <laughs> maybe not done with school but with university that it'll be an option that's yeah. open to you um uh, as I mentioned Enniscorthy and Ennis County Clare they're not really known as hockey strongholds right in, in the way no. maybe that Solna is or that Canada <laughs> is you know um yeah. I, but I believe your dad has become very interested in the sport since you started playing it Oh, yeah. Well, he was interested even before because uh, my mom and him, uh, they were living in Canada for a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, She was working, so she was over there and they used to watch uh, the Montreal Canadiens, watch them play NHL. And he was a bit interested, but there was no real reason for him to get as connected as he he is today Mm -hmm. uh, with me and my sister. Um, so yeah, he's gotten very interested. He he watches a lot of NHL now. He watches all of my games and my sister's games, and he, you know he he has his own inputs, what he thinks players should do and stuff. So he's gotten really really engaged in hockey. There you go. Did, did your dad play hurling back in Ireland at all? Not that there's any transferable skills, I'd say, between the two. But uh, was he involved in in games back home? Uh, yeah, I think he played a bit when he was in school he tried a lot of sports but he he played he liked basketball he played basketball when he was in college and mm. and stuff like that so yeah yeah he, he's he was a bit like me as well that he he played loads of sports and you know just uh, like playing sports to find general. the one he loved yeah um yeah who's your favorite hockey team do you spend a lot of time up late at night watching the nhl from north america uh, well, I watch the games that are suitable when they norm- normally on Sundays they have some lunchtime game that's around uh, eight o'clock here. Yeah. But um, otherwise, I just uh, watch recaps and highlights from the night before. But I've always uh, uh, liked Pittsburgh Penguins um, yep. because of uh, my favorite hockey player, Sidney Crosby. There uh, you go. Yeah, I uh, I really like his game. I like the way he can protect the puck. Uh, I like the way he scores. I like the way he thinks on the ice. So he was always a favorite uh, player you, for me. If you're going to pick one player as your favorite, you could do a whole lot worse than Sidney Crosby. I think, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I actually yeah. saw him play at the Olympics a few years ago in Sochi. And it's just, my jaw was on the floor of what this guy could do on the skates, never mind with the puck, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just have one or two final questions for you. One is, how do you manage to get by in Sweden with a name like Aoife and the way that it's spelled? Do people ruin it all the time at Starbucks and that kind of thing for you? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> having to pronounce it and the questions like, where, oh, where's your name from? And having to say, oh, I'm from Ireland. I moved here when I was six, you know. Yeah. I mean, ha- there's a lot of conversations where I have to start with my backstory yeah. and not really just saying my name. Um, Do you get tired of that, and- Aoife? No, well, it-, it depends because there's sometimes when I'm in a hurry or just don't really... <laughs> feel like it's uh appropriate. Oh, no, not again <laughs> yeah exactly but most most of the time i'm not uh, i actually like talking about uh, the fact that i'm irish and i'm from ireland and that you know it's special and unique and i always like hearing when they say that it's a really nice name so yeah <laughs> 
Super. And then one very last question to you. Um, if I can manage to get everybody who listens to this podcast down to an AIK game at home, where, what ice rink are we going to and what can we expect to see when we go there? Um, the ice rink is called Ulrikstals Ikea, uh, but it's also known as the Ritorp. Yep. Uh, and it'll be Hall 3 because there's three ice halls in this uh, little um, hockey place. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and what you'll see is we actually have one of the smallest rinks in the league, but, um, you know, I really like it. I like the ice. I think we have the best ice, uh, in the league, uh, but you'll see, uh, ice hockey rink. It's, yeah, it's just an, uh, it's an Olympic size rink. It's not the North American size, so it's a bit bigger Mm -hmm. and, um, there's a place for, audience so it'll be actually great if all of the people listening would come down to a game I'll tell you something girl I'm going to drag every one of them down by the hair the Swedish (laughs) Irish Society the Stockholm Gales the whole lot yes but in return maybe I know I think you've been out playing Gaelic football once have I did I hear that oh yeah how was that oh it was amazing I loved it super I thought it was really fun will we will we be able to see you during the summer are you trying to keep yourself a hockey now until you retire no I'll probably be able to do that I mean you're you're supposed to we're supposed to keep active during the summer and you know pre-season before next next season so it'll be great there you go probably this, be able to do that this has been the best news i've ever had on this podcast is knowing that you might play gaelic <laughs> football because to be honest yeah. I, i've never seen you play gaelic football but i heard as soon as you went to one training session they went we have to get this girl and s- <laughs> since then of course yeah. you've been concentrating on the hockey but i promise you uh, at, at some point now before the end of the season we'll get everybody together and we'll come down and we'll bring a few tricolors we might even bring a swedish flag if you'd like us to do that as well <laughs> yeah but we'll come down and watch it Eva. thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me Thanks for having me. Thank you. On the ice with the Gimlet. The Gimlet scoping. Sidney Crosby, the golden goal. And Canada has won the Olympic gold. With it there. Punched along to Jerome Gimlet. Crosby scores! It's over. The gold medal to Canada. There you go. That was indeed Sidney Crosby scoring the winning goal in sudden death on home ice at the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver uh, for Canada against the USA. What you heard there was first the Canadian TV commentator and then the American TV commentator. And the American TV commentator does not sound happy at all. Right. So after the conversation with Aoife there yesterday, we had another conversation. Uh, we just kept going a little bit. And I said, I want to get everybody down just to see her play hockey one time. And uh, she talked about Lee Thorpe and she talked about where they play and that kind of thing but the idea we came up with is and listen closely now get this in your diary saturday the 26th of february at one o'clock in the afternoon 1300 hours for the swedes listening right aik and aifa lisi are playing against you gordon in a derby match in the sdhl right i'll be back from beijing by that point and i'm going to go and i want as many people from the irish community to come with me right now you can sit there and listen to this podcast and sit your hands and do that, but this time round, kids, we have to do something. We have to get everybody together. So I'm calling on everybody who's listened to this from the Stockholm Gales and the Swedish Irish Society and everybody who is in the round Stockholm. And if you're up in Yavlin, you fancy a trip down to Stockholm for the day to do something, come to Hovet. We'll go along. We'll see the game. Bring the tricolors. Bring the flags, the GA clothes. Bring whatever you got there. And let's go cheer Aoife on, right? Um, 
I'm going to be a bit limited because right now I am in China at the Olympics, so I'm limited in how I can communicate with people. So I'm dependent on you, the listeners. I'm dependent on you, the Swedish-Irish community, to get yourselves together and to get tickets for the matches, right? A-I-K, A-I-K, Dom Hockey, D-A-M-H-O-C-K-E-Y. Go Google it, whatever. Go find yourself a ticket. If you need to have a chat on WhatsApp, if you need to set up a group, do that, right? We'll try to all sit in the one section. So let's get it together because I think it'd be a brilliant day. And we owe it to everybody in our community who does anything worth the attention, right? So Aoife playing for AIK Dom Hockey, Zach Elbuzadi, whom we've heard from before. We owe it to get behind our own here, like we did with Kevin Walker when he won a pop idol here about 10 years ago, right? So supporting one another, to me, is a really important part of what we're going to do, both on the podcast and on uh, um, and out in real life, in sport, in business, whatever, right? So let's manifest that for the first time since the podcast started. There may be restrictions, I don't know, uh, in terms of how many people can go, but Horvath is quite a big building, so uh, there, we should be able to all get in there and we'll go and we'll observe the restrictions and we'll cheer our girl on, right? So once more, February the 26th, it's a Saturday, one o'clock in the afternoon, right? Go, go out, do your shopping, do your hoovering in the morning and let's all meet down there maybe an hour beforehand, you might have a bite to eat and let's go and cheer on Aoife Lisi and see what she can do for Oiko Dom Hockey and we'll keep supporting her as time goes on. Right, um, let us get back to our uh, Nordic-Irish, I suppose, rather than the Swedish-Irish, and let's have a chat with Thomas Maloney-Vestgård. Thomas, again... As I mentioned earlier, fascinating story about how he got involved and is now uh, in Beijing representing our country, which is just magnificent to see. Before I do that, remember you can support the show on Swish if you have a Swedish bank account, 123-2424-166, patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. And as I've said before, that's the best way for me because I know that a little bit of money is going to keep ticking in every month and it'll keep the lights on and it'll keep uh, the studio going here. And if you want to advertise like the brilliant Martin Hessian and the lovely people at Veerstrom's Pub do, you can contact me at Irish and Sweden podcast at gmail.com or via instagram or linkedin or whatever and if you could make you know a contribution a once-off contribution receipts can be provided etc etc or if you want to become a, a monthly supporter well, that's entirely up to you if you want to sponsor it you want me to tell everybody how great you are i'll happily do that right but you gotta get in touch first i'm not psychic so yeah that's that let's get on to this chat with thomas maloney vestgord uh, on the grueling cross-country races that he's going to be facing in the olympics in beijing for team ireland in the green boys and girls Honoured, I must say, to have this young man with me. I met him for the very first time at the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang a few years ago. It's very unusual to see the green of Ireland in the cross-country skiing competitions in the Olympics. But Thomas Maloney-Vescord was there with the Irish flag, flag any top, as they say here in Sweden. And he's on his way back to Beijing for his second Olympic experience. Thomas, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm very fine. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fascinating story that you have to tell us. We were just talking there before I pressed the record button. Maybe you might start by telling us uh, where you grew up. So you're in Trondheim at the moment, you're telling me, but you grew up five hours north of there, which must be somewhere around the North Pole, is it? Uh, not so completely that north, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's north enough for, uh, for uh, many people would say but uh, yeah it's uh, it's an island called uh, Leka uh, more like a fishing community really uh, so uh, it's uh, yeah they say that uh, Norwegians are born with skis uh, but uh, yeah I would say that uh, a place like Leka isn't probably uh, known for that much snow uh, or skiing conditions but uh, anyway yeah it's uh, it's uh, yeah 
it's a, another, I mean, different story uh, if you compare it to many other skiers. Yeah. And tell me, is it your mother is Irish? Is she? Yes, she yeah. is Irish. That's How right. on earth did she wind up in a fishing village five hours north of Trondheim, my friend? Yeah, that's a, a long story. Um, <laughs> I mean, she it was a, a, a holiday in the eighties uh, in the Canary Islands, so where she. She met my father, uh, and uh, yeah, they they had contact since, and uh, I think like uh, two two years maybe after uh, the first holiday, the, she had to make the or one of them had to make the decision to to move uh, to the one place or the other, and uh, she had to take the choice to to move to Norway. So yeah, <laughs> and where is your mom from in Ireland? She's from Dunmore in County Galway. Okay, so so the sea is no stranger to her there. No, uh, that's that's true for sure. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's a place more known for footballers than like cross country skiers. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. They wouldn't be much on the cross country skiing. But uh, one of their grandsons, if you like, now is a cross country skier for Ireland. How did you get into cross country skiing as a young man? Because like for those who listen to this who don't understand, cross country skiing is something of a religion in Norway, right? Yeah. It is, uh, and as I said, it's. Uh, I mean, the, the phrase uh, in Norway says that uh, you are born with cross-country skis if mm-hmm. you're a Norwegian. Uh, and uh, yeah, even though I I grew up in an island with uh, little snow, uh, we we were always. I mean, uh, my father was uh, had a really passion for skiing, and uh, he. I mean, as soon as there was snow there, uh, he was out with his uh, scooter and. Uh, driving up uh, cross-country tracks. Mm-hmm. So uh, as soon as there was snow, there were, we were out skiing and uh, we, we made the most out of it, really. We didn't probably have, we probably had like a month of snow every year, but uh, we we made the most out of it, for sure. Mm-hmm. And how did it end up then that, you know, obviously as a teenager, you start to realise, okay, I like this sport, I'm good at it. Did you start to compete for your local ski club then or how did it uh, work out? Yeah, it, it was quite different, really, because uh, we we lived quite far away from uh, all the skiing events. So uh, until I was sixteen, I, I didn't really ski that much, like uh, during races. So it was it was mostly, uh, I mean, the local ones where we uh, we had one race uh, on the island every year, and I uh, I won that one. I mean, quite quite easily, and. <laughs> I thought I was quite good at that time, uh, but uh, when I first uh, went to the first ski race, uh, I mean, outside the island, I was probably like uh, 15, uh, and then I was like three minutes behind the, the guys at my age uh, in, in my county. So it was quite a hard reality check to, to get, but uh, yeah, since, since then I've, uh, I tried to work hard and I... I took uh, an important choice when I had to choose my secondary school, uh, where I had to move to. Uh, I, I moved to a skiing school in Steinshire, and uh, from there I uh, I put in full commitment into the skiing. And it is a huge commitment because you're talking about races up to fifty kilometers long. Uh, certainly at the Olympic level, you're talking about sprints. Uh, it's it's not so much a sport as a way of life. Could you just describe the kind of training that you have to do to get to the Olympic level? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is a lot of training, as you say, uh, and uh, it's a lot of endurance training. So, I mean, the volume uh, of training is everything in our sport. So, a normal day for us would be, uh, yeah, you get up in the morning and you train uh, train the two, two to three hours uh, in the morning. Uh, and, yeah, everything from 30 to 50K and... Uh, on the afternoon, you have a, another short session uh, with one to two hours. So uh, it is, for sure, uh, a lot of training. Um, when you were coming up there, obviously, Norway, Norway is like the greatest country in the Winter Olympics, right? They're going to come home with a plain load yeah. of medals again. And a lot of those will be in cross-country skiing. I think seven of the 12 gold medals in Pyeongchang went to Norway in the cross-country skiing last time out. When you were competing against, you know, Martin Sundby, Johannes Klebo, these guys, uh, how difficult was that for you when you were a teenager growing up? Because like you said, you were the top man on the island. But then when you got to the mainland, you found yourself a little bit further back in the pack again. I mean, it is it is brutal, and uh, <laughs> it is you nearly just want to close your eyes and uh, and be finished of the race and uh, go home and uh, train. Train even <laughs> Cause, harder. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because because uh, in the early age, you you always uh, get, I mean, you always get told that you have to be patient in this sport, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, of course, as uh, when you were uh, like twenty twenty one years, you. And there were still many, many minutes up to the very best. You, yeah, you. It, it is quite hard to try and mobilize uh, to to do the work. But uh, I mean, in this sport, if if you're patient enough uh, and uh, spend enough time on it, and uh, you are enough commit, uh, yeah, you, you put enough commitment into the sport, you you will get to a high level. Uh, and uh, I think that's. Uh, yeah, that, that is a, a good thing to tell everybody that it is possible to get there. You just have to be patient and, and work hard. Um, could you explain to the listeners, please, Thomas, the kinds of races that you're going to take part in now in Beijing, right? Last time, I think you, you definitely raced the 50K last time out on the second last day of the Olympics. But are you going to take part in as many races as you can there? Or are you sort of judiciously picking which ones, the ones that you think you can get the best result in? Yeah, so I will uh, race three races in uh, the Olympics. That's the plan. Uh, And uh, I am quitting the sprint because my main goal is the 15K Classic. I've always been better in uh, Classic uh, since there's two different uh, disciplines in cross-country skiing. You have Classic and Skate. And I've always been better in Classic. So that race for me is the main goal of the Olympics. And I'm hoping to have my uh, best results there or that's the most realistic race where I will have my best results so uh, I, I skipped the sprint uh, which is three days beforehand and uh, yeah other than that I will race the 30k skiathlon uh, which you go both classic and uh, during half the race you're switching into skating and uh, the, the 15k 50k which is a skate and so yeah. classic style kind of looks like jogging. It's very much the skis going one after the other, whereas skate is it's exactly what it sounds like. It's sort of side-to-side movement, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Super. Um, can I ask you, Thomas, when, when the other guys and girls that you sort of grew up with, if you like, in Norway, I'm sure you know Therese Johog and, and all these people, and the Swedes, of course, as well there, um, do, when they look at your decision to ski for Ireland, as I say, I've never met anybody as proud to ski for Ireland as you, you know, <laughs> do they kind of look at you going, oh, you know, you couldn't make it with us, so you went to Ireland, or do they look at you and go, fair play to that guy for taking his chance at the Olympics? 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've always felt like uh, that uh, I've gained more respect during the years. And uh, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what the, what people thought uh, at the start of the, when, when I made the transfer to Ireland. But uh, as soon as I got better and uh, got better results, I, I felt that uh, a respect uh, grew uh, grew on, among me, and uh, that people were like, yeah, cheering me on, and uh, I yeah, I got to know uh, mostly of the the best guys, and I I always felt that they are, they have respect my decision and uh, thinks it's uh, fun to to watch uh, a little nation getting better and better, and uh, so I'm I'm very thankful and grateful for yeah for the the respect that the, the great guys have uh, have got me and how do you survive thomas because like you say the volume of training is absolutely crackers right so you have to be out there training two or three times uh, is it the irish olympic committee that funds you do you have sponsors in norway do you have people you know contributing to your your training and that kind of thing yeah so i'm uh, i have some local sponsors in norway and uh, i've always also get um, uh, an Olympic uh, funding from uh, the yeah from the OFI. So uh, that's I mean that means uh, a lot to me. Uh, of course, uh, I don't do a very uh, it's it's not cheap to do cross country skiing. So uh, I'm very uh, grateful for every I mean penny that I can get on this. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you work hard every day, and uh, you're you're just able to survive. But as long as I'm able to to chase my dream, I'm I'm happy. And and this is what you're doing full time, pretty much, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, I've 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 have been doing some studies. Uh, I do a master's degree in sports science, but I've taken a year off uh, this year because the Olympics is coming up, and yeah, I can see that. Uh, I wasn't able to put 100% effort in, in the school and I could see that it was uh, yeah, the quite tight schedule for me to planning races and training and uh, doing all the logistics. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I've taken a year off and uh, I don't regret that. <laughs> I can imagine. How has the World Cup season been for you so far now? Because we had the Tour de Ski recently. I think the last time when I was texting you, you were in the middle of the Tour de Ski, uh, which was going on there over Christmas, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the, the season hasn't uh, it hasn't been as good as I hoped for uh, so far. Um, I guess I've got some decent results, but I felt that I missed that uh, top top notch race uh, that I usually get. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I have tried to work hard since then and uh, figure out how I'm gonna. I'm going to get this top results and uh, hopefully it will come in the Olympics. I, I wouldn't mind if it comes then. I'd say you'd be happy enough. Uh, tell me, my friend, and I can't wait. I'm actually going to Beijing now, uh, reasonably soon, so I'll, I'll definitely see you there and I'll be there to see you, you competing as well. But for fans listening to this, for Irish people watching the Winter Olympics, what can they expect from you? What's realistic for you at this Olympics, do you think? Uh, it's, uh, it's very hard to say. Uh, I'm uh, I don't want to come with. Uh, yeah, it's, it is probably a boring answer. I, it's it's hard for me to say like uh, what what kind of number uh, I could be. But uh, I mean, on the day, I, I think that uh, I mean uh, I I could bring home uh, a little sensational result if everything goes to plan. But uh, of course, it's it's many. 
it's many elements here that needs to be in the right way and uh but uh of course i'm i'm in for it and uh and uh that's that's why i i keep on doing this job because uh i i want i want to try and make a sensation and uh yeah if it if it uh, happens uh it, it would be fantastic but uh yeah i will indeed do everything i can to to get a, a great result. Uh, do you think it makes a difference the fact that you've been to Pyeongchang, you've you've stood on the start line before, so you're not going to be nervous. You've seen all the, the, these things before. Do you think it's going to be easier second time round for you? Uh, it's it's hard to say. Of course, I have much more experience now uh, since I have an Olympic uh, debut in my backpack, and so I have many major championships since since uh, 2018. But it is. Uh, I mean, every uh, championship is a, is a new story. So, uh, but uh, I, I feel that I I have grown a lot since then, and uh, I will indeed try to uh, perform better than I did in Pyeongchang. And uh, I think there's uh, there's big chances for that. Uh, this this championship can uh, can be my best. And finally, my friend, just one last question. Aside from the results and everything else like that, what are you most looking forward to about your next Olympic experience? Uh, I mean, the, the the biggest highlight is to get the opportunity to represent Ireland. Uh, I mean, when when I have this uh, flashy, flashy uh, tracksuit on me uh, with a green <laughs> colour and uh, having an Olympic bib on you, uh, knowing that... Uh, the country finally is able to watch you. Uh, it, it is an incredible feeling, and uh, you are proud of your roots and uh, proud to get the opportunity. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's something that I look forward to the most, really. <laughs> I know there's a great rivalry between Norway and Sweden when it comes to cross country skiing, but I think I can pretty much guarantee that the Swedish Irish community is going to be behind you. The best of luck in Beijing, Thomas. Thank you very much, Philip. Thank you. Into the stadium they come. Couple of hundred meters to go, it's anybody's. Three abreast. There's a slight climb still. And Stina Nielsen, the sprint champion, moves to the front. She's the sprint gold medalist. Has she timed this right? Sweden will come into the straight first, then the United States, and then Norway. It doesn't look like Fala can do it for the Norwegians. It's Sweden and the United States, stride for stride, push for push. Who's it going to be? Nilsson or Diggins coming down to the line. And the United States has done it from Sweden and Norway. Oh, what a performance from Jess Diggins. History for the United States. There you go. That was the team sprint race for women back in Pyeongchang in 2018. And I was actually there that night to see that race. The Americans hadn't won a medal, let alone a gold medal, hadn't won a medal in cross-country skiing since 1976. And uh, just before the Games, they had a press conference at what they call the MPC, the main press centre um, in Pyeongchang and I said I'd go down and I'd have a wander out and there was no journalist down there because nobody expected them to win anything and I remember talking to, to uh, Sadie one of the girls on the team and, and Kick and Randall who was part of the team that won with Jesse Diggins and the three of them were there going yeah we can win a medal here we can win a medal and you're sort of sitting there going well that's lovely girls fair play to you and you're thinking ah, it's going to be so difficult because the Norwegian team Stina Nielsen uh, the Swedish girl whose name you heard there was just 
such a top class sprinter. It was ridiculous to think that you know that they might be able to do it. And those team sprints, it's like a series of heats, and you knock them out, and that was it. And they just got down to the to the last uh, the last heat, or they got into the Olympic final. And my God, on the final straight, if they didn't go ahead and win the gold medal, and this is you know you could hear it in Thomas's voice there when he's talking about you know the possibility of an upset, the possibility of putting in a great performance. Now you know Thomas, it's going to be very very difficult for Thomas to win a medal, but you know as long as you are in there, as long as you are giving it your all, you have a chance of getting there. And to see Jess Diggins and Kick and Randall, who just after those games actually was diagnosed with cancer, it was just amazing. The joy that they experienced in doing that, you know, it was like, what was it? it, must have been 40 years or more since America had won a medal. So it really was just incredible to see. And as I left, um, usually the athletes don't come through the mix on for quite some time. So you run back to the press centre, you write something about the, the, the race and then you come back again. And when I was on my way back then, just to see if they were coming through the mix zone, I said, that woman there looks very much like Jessie Diggins. And it was Jessie Diggins' mother. So I ended up having a chat with her and the family, and they were all so delighted, etc., etc. So, you know, it is win, lose, or draw. It doesn't matter. The Olympics is a magnificent sport, and it's well worth a look at. Before we go to our next interview, just a quick reminder that the Swedish-Irish Society are looking for volunteers, right? They're looking for volunteers for the St. Patrick's Day Parade here in Stockholm. It's uh, I don't exactly have the date in my head now. Actually, I don't need to tell you when St. Patrick's Day is if you're listening to this right but they're looking for volunteers to help out the parade which hopefully will take place despite the pandemic so info at swedishirish.com is uh, where you want to be mailing to if you can be part of that and usually it's a little bit of crowd control it's just keeping everybody safe uh, whilst the parade goes on so if you have a little bit of time that day and you don't mind sticking on a bib and maybe grabbing a loud hailer and telling people where to go get in touch with the swedish irish society and um they'll give you a little job to do. Sometimes uh, they make some bits and pieces, like we don't have floats in this country, but we certainly have uh, various different things that are carried through the parade. We had a huge snake one year that was made by the, the kids, so they might be volunteering to help out with those things. you know. But get in touch with the Swedish Irish Society. You would have heard Sophie Murphy on a recent episode of the podcast as well, and they will find a job for you to do. That is almost all we have time for this week. Again, I'll just say, as I did at the very start, try to get involved in some way, try to support the Irish athletes. They're going to be on the TVs around you uh, here in Sweden and across the Nordic region. So, uh, yeah, pay attention to them, get out and support them. Um, it's just it's a magnificent time of the year and just to see these young people doing so well it's what sport is all about I don't care about medals I don't care about winning anymore I used to be very into that kind of thing oh you know Ireland should be doing their best to win the World Cup I like, don't care anymore you know it's about going out there representing your country representing your people representing your family and yourself and your parish and your community and doing your absolute best and whatever comes of it comes of it but just go out there and be proud of what it is you're doing uh, as you might be aware, I'm uploading these podcasts before I go to Beijing because I'm not 100% sure that I'll be able to do it from there. So there is another podcast coming next week. But if you're trying to get in touch with me for sponsorship or that kind of thing, or if you're trying to get in touch with an idea and I don't reply to you, just be aware that the situation with IT in Beijing is... Um, uh, should we say strange, right? So we've been advised not to bring any of our personal devices or any of that kind of crack. So if I do, uh, if like if I don't answer on WhatsApp or anything else like that, I'm not being you know a snob or that kind of thing. I will get to you as soon as I possibly can. Uh, so I'm going to be over there in Beijing until just before Aoife Lisi plays that game, right? So again, remember, get your crew together, get your people together, your family together. Let's go watch her on the 26th of February in the derby against Hugh Gordon and really go down there and show her the love because I, I'd say she'd love it. What 18-year-old wouldn't love her community coming out to support her as people ping me on WhatsApp? You never know, that might be another sponsor. So I better go and deal with that. But uh, mind yourselves out there now. Uh, the, the, the evening's out, there's a grand stretch of the evenings, lads. I know that might not be true the further north you go, but it is getting a little bit uh, brighter in the evenings now. Uh, we're having a few chats 
uh, among the various different uh, GAA clubs. That's all going on. They're trying to decide where the tournaments are going to be. It looks like they'll definitely be one in Stockholm this year, we would hope. There might even be another Swedish championship for just the Swedish clubs. It'd be great to have four or five clubs there, a few home and away matches to be played there. Uh, there's a soccer club starting up here with the soccer. The Stockholm Gales are starting a soccer section, and that's up and running. And hopefully they'll be playing in Division Seven this year. So there'll be plenty of sport to gather around. And God, now that I think of it, we might even do a live podcast. A sort of a live podcast. Well, not a live podcast, but I'll record on the day that we go and see Eva playing. So if you're there, I might ask you a few questions, and uh, we'll put that together. We make that a podcast for the following Monday, for the 28th. That would be then. How, how much crack would that be? Uh, if we could do a sort of a podcast just based on that day, 40, 50 minutes of the Irish community there, that'd be a bit of gas, wouldn't it? And if she scored a goal, oh, lads, lads, I'm getting ahead of myself here, right? Uh, for the next couple of weeks, there are a couple of podcasts coming up. We're going to be talking to um, Stephen Farron Lee, who works in publishing over here, and he talks about uh, his Irishness. He's translated some of the great Irish authors uh, into Swedish. A great love of Joyce, uh, Pat McCabe. He's translated The Butcher Boy into Swedish and hugely popular books there. So we're going to be talking to him and there's going to be a little bit of an Irish business special. We're going to focus a little bit on business with Enterprise Ireland and with the lads from the Mel O'Donnell Brewer Company, Brewing Company, which is a microbrewery uh, owned by two Irish lads down in Strengness. And they have a, a sort of a brew pub down there that you can hold events in and they do their own beers and you can get them in the system and blog it and that kind of thing. And we're also going to have a little section in the near future as well about renting in Sweden, right? So I talked to uh, a lawyer at Hudis yesterday and here in Sweden. So I'm going to have a little chat with him about what you can do, you know, if you can't get your deposit back and how you can, you know, the pitfalls you can avoid while renting here. So useful information there. So that's all coming up in the coming weeks. There is a little bit of a stretch of the evenings now. It's starting to get towards um, uh, towards the summer and we're starting things are starting to look up again. But, you know, with a bit of sport on the telly, it'll keep us going. And especially if we can get out and about and meet one another, you know. So, till the next time, uh, I'm still in China, so I'll be hoping to be seeing you all very soon. But uh, look after yourselves, look after one another, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon on the Irish in Sweden podcast. Good luck.